The House will come back Friday to take up the Democrats' tax and spend bill that just passed the Senate yesterday. Then both chambers will be off until the middle of September. Last week in the Senate, they came back to work on Monday. They voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Elizabeth Wilson Haynes to be U.S. District Judge for the Eastern District of Virginia. On Tuesday, the Senate voted to confirm her to that position. Then the Senate took up S-3373, the Honoring Our Pact Act. That's a bill to provide health care and disability benefits to more than three and a half million veterans who had been exposed to toxic substances during the course of their service. The bill came to the floor under an agreement that allowed for three Republican amendments at a 60-vote threshold. First up was an amendment offered by Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul. Senator Paul's amendment would have offset the increased spending authorized by this legislation by temporarily prohibiting the spending of any federal funds by the U.S. Agency for International Development other than funds for Israel. That amendment went down by a vote of 7 to 90. For those keeping score, the other six senators to vote with Senator Paul were Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Mike Braun of Indiana, Bill Haggerty of Tennessee, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, Mike Lee of Utah, and Roger Marshall of Kansas. Then the Senate took up the Toomey Amendment to S-3373. This is the amendment that caused a huge fight in the Senate, and I'm going to take a moment to explain it. The bill would have taken $400 billion in veterans' health care spending and moved it from the discretionary spending side of the government's accounting books to put it on the mandatory spending side of the ledger. The difference, of course, is that discretionary spending requires an affirmative vote every year, while mandatory spending does not. It's on autopilot. That maneuver, if allowed, would have created a $400 billion hole in the discretionary spending side that could later be used for anything a future Congress wanted. Even though Senator Toomey is retiring at the end of this current Congress and won't be here for future spending fights, he recognized this was a recipe for fiscal irresponsibility. So he proposed an amendment that would have removed that provision and ensured that veterans' health spending stayed on the discretionary side of the ledger. Democrats, not surprisingly, did not like his amendment, and they defeated it by a vote of 47 to 48. Then the Senate took up an amendment offered by Tennessee Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn that would have allowed veterans seeking health care under this law to go outside the VA system if they needed to, to find care at non-VA facilities. Democrats opposed this as an attempt to privatize the VA system. The amendment went down to defeat by a vote of 48 to 47. Remember, even though the I side of the, of the bill got more than the nay side did, it fell short of the 60-vote threshold needed. On Wednesday, the Senate considered the matter of Finland and Sweden joining the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Before moving to a vote on final passage of that resolution, the Senate first considered an amendment offered by Senator Paul of Kentucky. The amendment was quite simple. It read, quote, Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty does not supersede the constitutional requirement that Congress declare war before the United States engages in war. End quote. Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty is the provision that provides that if a NATO ally is a victim of an armed attack, each and every other member will consider that act of violence as an armed attack against all. Utah Republican Senator Mitt Romney opposed the Paul Amendment and argued that the amendment was unnecessary because the NATO treaty already has language that says provisions in the text should be carried out in accordance with the member nation's own constitutional processes. The Paul Amendment went down by a vote of 10 to 87. 
The other nine senators who voted with Senator Paul were Mike Braun of Indiana, Ted Cruz of Texas, Steve Daines of Montana, Josh Hawley of Missouri, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, James Langford of Oklahoma, Mike Lee of Utah, Cynthia Lummis of Wyoming, and Roger Marshall of Kansas. Then the Senate considered the resolution of ratification to allow Finland and Sweden to join NATO and passed it by a vote of 95 to 1, with only Missouri Republican Senator Josh Hawley voting against it. On Thursday, the Senate took up SJ Res 55, a Congressional Review Act resolution of disapproval against a Biden administration Council on Environmental Quality rule relating to National Environmental Policy Act implementing regulations revisions, which would make permitting for infrastructure projects more complicated. That resolution passed by a vote of 50 to 47. Then the Senate voted to confirm Rupali H. Desai to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Ms. Desai's confirmation took just 50 days from nomination to confirmation vote. That's the fastest confirmation for a Circuit Court nominee since the Clinton administration. And if you want to know what's so special about her that she deserved such a speedy confirmation vote, it's this. She previously worked as Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema's campaign attorney. And at the time her confirmation vote was scheduled, Majority Leader Schumer was wooing Senator Sinema for her support on the Democrats' reckless tax and spend bill. Then the Senate confirmed a ton of Biden nominees by voice vote, 32 by my count. The Senate took a break Friday and then came back into session Saturday to take up the tax and spend reconciliation bill. First up were two bed check votes to make sure all the Democrats were in town and able to make it to vote. First was a vote to discharge from the Committee on Environment and Public Works the nomination of David M. Ullman to be Assistant Administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency. That motion passed by a vote of 51 to 39. Then by a vote of 56 to 35, the Senate confirmed Constance J. Milstein to be Ambassador of the United States to the Republic of Malta. Then Leader Schumer brought up a motion to proceed to H.R. 5376, the original House-passed reconciliation bill. After holding the vote open for more than two hours, I'm told but have not been able to confirm that the vote was held open because Leader Schumer's office had not properly coordinated the timing of the vote with the vice president's office, and consequently, she was not in the chamber and available to cast her tie-breaking vote. The motion was agreed to by a vote of 50 to 50, with Vice President Kamala Harris finally entering the chamber and casting that tie-breaking vote. Then began the 20 hours of debate that is available when a bill moves under the rules of reconciliation. Except no one wanted to spend all 20 hours debating this bill. So after about four hours of debate, they started voting on amendments. The first was voted on at 11.30 p.m. Saturday night, and the last was voted on at 2.50 p.m. Sunday afternoon. Over the course of more than 15 hours, the Senate considered 36 amendments and motions to commit, all but two of which were rejected. During the course of the Votorama, Democrats voted to double the size of the IRS, increase taxes on oil and gas, sell oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to Communist China, and allow the IRS to audit companies and individuals with incomes lower than $400,000. Democrats wanted to add a provision capping out-of-pocket spending on insulin at $35 a month for patients in Medicare and in private insurance plans. The parliamentarian ruled that Democrats could do that for Medicare patients, but not for patients in private insurance plans. 
Democrats left the entire provision in the bill anyway, daring the Republicans to challenge the inclusion of private insurance plan patients. Republicans did so, and then Democrats tried to waive the rule to keep the whole provision in the bill. Seven Republicans voted with all the Democrats to waive the budget rules, but such a motion requires 60 votes, so the Democrats' attempt failed. And now the $35 per month cap on spending on insulin will only apply to Medicare patients. Toward the end of the Votorama, South Dakota Republican Senator John Thune offered a clever amendment that would exempt some of the subsidiaries of private equity firms from the 15% corporate minimum tax. He knew from a conversation he'd had with Senator Sinema that she had been surprised to see on Saturday when Democrats introduced the final version of the bill that these subsidiaries had been targeted for the 15% minimum tax, and that had upset her. She did not want them taxed further. Thune proposed to offset the $35 billion in lost tax revenue, what you or I would call tax savings, by extending for a year the $10,000 cap on SALT deductions that, it, that were set to expire in 2025. SALT is the state and local tax deduction. That provision alone could have caused significant trouble for passing the bill in the House. There's a group of House Democrats that have already vowed they will not consider any tax measure that does not include significant reform or outright repeal of the SALT deduction cap. So extending the deduction cap for another year was a brilliant maneuver on Thune's part. The Thune Amendment passed with all Republican votes and seven Democrats. The pairs of Democrat senators from Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and New Hampshire's Maggie Hassan. In other words, the four most vulnerable Senate Democrats running for re-election this year, plus their Democrat seatmates from three of those four states. Now, Senate Democrats were in a fix. They'd just seen their bill amended in a way that would make it in virtually impossible to pass the House. So they immediately turned around and offered a clever amendment of their own to revise the funding offset mechanism in the Thune Amendment. Offered by Virginia Democrat Senator Mark Warner, the amendment strikes the extension of the $10,000 cap on the SALT deduction and instead extends for two years a tax code provision that limits how much in losses pass-through businesses are allowed to deduct each year. That exchange came at the end of the Votorama. In fact, those two votes were the final two votes on amendments before Senate Republicans called a halt to the voting spree. A few minutes later, the Senate voted to pass the amended version of H.R. 5376 by a vote of 50 to 50, with Vice President Kamala Harris casting the tie-breaking vote. And then they were done. More on the Iran nuclear deal. The on-again, off-again negotiations between Iran and the United States and its European partners on reviving the 2015 nuclear deal are once again back on and close to completion, according to the European Union's senior negotiator at the talks, reported the Wall Street Journal on Sunday afternoon. But it remains unclear whether Iran will agree to the final deal that's on the table. The text could be finalized within hours, he said, but Iran still has to decide whether to yield on its demand that the United Nations close its three-year investigation into Iran's nuclear program as a condition of signing on to the revived agreement. The talks had stalled in March when Iran refused to concede on its demand that the United States remove the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps from its list of foreign terrorist organizations. But the talks resumed last week when Iran softened that demand. Instead, 
Iran insisted that the UN Atomic Energy Agency's probe, which is highly sensitive to Iran, which has always claimed it never sought nuclear weapons in the first place, be shut down. Iran does not want the International Atomic Energy Agency to find evidence that would lead it to conclude that Iran has, in fact, been seeking to develop nuclear weapons. Western negotiators insist they will not intervene to close down the IAEA investigation. And that's our Washington report for this week.